0: Welcome, everybody, to the Northern Miner Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Keeble, coming to you October 31st. Happy Halloween. That was my attempt at an evil laugh, like Dracula or something. And I know it was terrible. <laughs> it's like I was listening to the recording after I sound like that Count from Sesame Street. You know, the guy's like, one cookie, cookie. Ah, that guy, that guy. And uh, so no more voices, but it's Halloween, so I get to have a little bit of fun. Um, but uh, as usual, we are brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Please surf by YukonMiningAlliance.ca and check out all the exciting exploration and development going on in the Yukon territory. Um, and as mentioned last week, we have an exciting episode uh, coming up. Uh, you may have caught our, our miner moment last week Um where uh, we previewed Leslie's 25 minute chat with filmmaker Nettie Wilde, who, is pre- who uh, premiered her documentary in Vancouver, Conalina Arlan the Beautiful, last Friday, October 28th, at the Van City Theater. And that will be there for two weeks. Um, so please surf by the Van City site, the box office on Seymour Street, or head over to the Conalina site to secure tickets because it's a must see. Uh, it's a really cool documentary on sort of the uh intersection between naturalism um and uh the mining and and infrastructure industries in northwestern bc in the golden triangle so around uh predium's bruce jack uh, project uh uh imperial metals red chris mine um and the northwest transmission line so she got some really cool footage um and her and leslie really dig into the experience and the personalities uh involved in making the film um so there's some really good storytelling going on in there so we'll run that for the bulk of the podcast but um, one of the things I wanted to to pop in uh, and sort of announce as well is that uh, I have a pretty cool uh, pretty cool thing coming up here. Um, so uh, uh, the uh, Canadian Institute of Mining, Metallurgy and Petroleum, uh, CIM, as we know them in the business, are hosting their annual Student Night in Vancouver on November seventeenth from six p.m. to nine p.m. So this is a CIM's Vancouver branch and it's their premier annual event. And uh, the theme of this year's event is the rise of B two Gold Corp. Um, and actually, Mike Cinnamond, uh the CFO of B2 Gold will be there, uh, to give an address and, uh, um, it, which is, it's, it's super exciting. I mean, uh, everyone will remember I recently had Clive Johnson, president and CEO of B2 Gold on the podcast. Um, and anytime I get to talk to anybody from, from B2 is it's, it's really cool because they have such a, uh, um, an interesting history as far as working in, in some challenging jurisdictions, um, and, and doing so successfully and really, um, proving that, uh, you know, first principles of Canadian mining can be taken abroad, applied, and done so really successfully. So it'll be really interesting to hear from Mike and uh, just sort of some of the stories of, of the rise of B2 and, and what they went through to be such a success, uh, successful company following the acquisition of Bima Gold by Kinross in 2007. Um, so that's sort of the uh, theme of the night, but I will also be there. I'll be emceeing the event. So do come say uh, say hi to me as well. I'll be there, and they're giving me a microphone. I... I t- don't don't ask. I don't, I'll be there and I'll have a microphone, so uh, you'll get. Uh, it'll be a blast. It'll be a really fun evening. Uh, so please uh, uh, head to the CIM uh, website and check out tickets for that because it'll be a uh, it'll be a blast. So again, that's November seventeenth, six p.m. to nine p.m. I will be there. Um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, let's uh, crack right into uh, Leslie's interview with Nettie. Um, and uh, that'll take up the remainder of the podcast. So I, uh, I will be signing off. Um, and uh, I'll leave you with uh, Leslie and Nettie for some cool insight on uh, the mining industry and sort of uh, the environmental movement in Northwestern BC. And I will check back with you next week with our regularly scheduled content. Thanks, everybody.
1: Uh, this week, we have uh, filmmaker Nettie Wilde, who joins us in the studio today to discuss the upcoming Vancouver theatrical debut of her latest documentary, Kona Lina, Our Land Beautiful, which offers a really compelling and poetic look at industrial development in the remote region and beautiful region of Northwest BC. So thanks so much. This is a pleasure to actually meet you, Nettie. Welcome. Great. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, As many of our listeners know, of course, like the Northwest B.C. is a really coveted space for explorers and miners alike. Um, It has an enormous amount of untapped mineral mineral wealth, and it's also home to Aboriginal nations that have conflicting views to development in the region. So um, even though the issues are really complex, I found that Conalina really broke away from um, that traditional template of a documentary that zeroes in on mining. So I just wanted to ask Nettie, like, what were your thoughts on creating this film and what kind of message did you want to bring out?
2: I didn't want to pound home a message. Mm. I don't know about you, but I am really weary of films full of talking heads telling me what to think. And I think everybody else is too, which doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about the environment, I am. But I really thought that this was a part of the province that I have had the privilege of getting to know quite well as an outsider, as a southerner, not from up there. Um, And I'm passionate about that land up there. And the best thing that I could bring there was a curious camera, not a judgmental one. And that, you know, I thought, if I'm not going to bring a polemic up there, what am I going to bring? And I thought, it's art. Hmm. And what do I mean by that? I mean getting together the best bunch of documentary artists I could find in the country. And our objective was to pursue the poetry in every single person in front of our lens, from diamond drillers and linemen through to people who protest against them. And the assumption there is that there is poetry and there is a relationship to the land that each one of these people have. If we could, as a film crew, park any assumptions we have and be open to being surprised, maybe we would be, and we were, big time. And I'm hoping that our audience is, and that's the objective, is just to see if we can give people pause, if we can give people such a visceral experience of this extraordinary place and the equally extraordinary people who move across it, then maybe that kind of dull thud that you hear in the background is the sound of stereotypes hitting the ground. Hmm. And people will perhaps think about things a little bit differently.
1: Well, I know I watched the movie last night and like a little pre-screening to the initial showing i guess at van city theater this friday that's right we're opening October on um, friday and we're running for two weeks cool. at the van city and then um two more days at the rio after that so lots of opportunity for anybody listening in vancouver to catch this film I was watching it last night, and I didn't really know what I was going into. I knew it was going to be a beautiful <laughs> film about the Northwest BC. I knew there was going to be mining. I knew there was going to be some touching on some complex issues. And the entire time, I was just so blown away by how you used images to convey this message that was so much more powerful than any words could have ever described. Yeah. And... And it really made me think differently about my business and made me think differently about life in general. I was just so blown back and I really feel like this is a must see for anybody in our industry, whether you're a geologist or like the most staunch, like pro development, mm. anti everything else. Like <laughs> it's 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 so beautiful how it just united everybody and everything up there, the wilderness just draws you in and we're all kind of the same. At least that's what I felt. What, well, what are some other general sentiments that have you what, what heard?
2: What we found was, is that, um, for instance, thanks to Harvey Tremblay, who, from High Tech Drilling, who mm-hmm. was the first guy to say yes instead of no to our camera. And so we were able to follow Harvey's drill crew up into the Bruce Jack mine. Again, thanks to Predium for letting us thanks, do that. Thanks, Predium Thanks, High Tech Drilling. Um, and, You know, the first person we meet on the way up is a guy called Mike Shannon who's driving the snowcat across this extraordinary, moving, live glacier. It's like a bucking bronco, right? (laughs) And the first thing that Mike Shannon says to me is, my head is in the clouds. Hmm. And then he goes on to explain, and I go on to see what he's talking about. And there he is in this snowcat that's as big as my house. (laughs) <laughs> and he's in this cubicle, and he's driving through an area which that day there was those, you know, those puffy clouds that move across the sky really quickly. And the sun is sending the, reflect, the shadows of the crowds scudding across the snow. Uh-huh. It was completely surreal. And Mike's in the middle, driving this house. And I realized we've got a philosopher king here driving the snowcat. Big surprise. Somebody who's totally plugged into the environment. Somebody who has to be very aware of this changing glacier because his life depends on it right. so does others, right? Yeah. So for me, it's like, are we going to write Mike off? No, this is somebody who has a real relationship to the land. Let's get to know him. Let's, let's let our camera see what he does. People in the audience have never seen anything like that before. So there's an opening up there. You, you, for people who perhaps have, are writing off the mining industry entirely. Mm. you going to write off Mike, Mike Shannon? I don't think so. You know, and so that was the kind of surprises. Same thing when um, when we were filming the flying in of the towers of the Northwest Transmission Line. That was a real oh my god moment. It was <laughs> here we have the world's biggest helicopter flying in s- towers that are sixty. Thousand pounds a piece. Oh wow! Hang on, I better say that again. They're flying in the world's biggest helicopters, flying in towers that are sixteen thousand. Still impressive pounds a (laughs) piece. And um, as they're going over the mountains, the towers are catching sunlight, and they're like these big gleaming crosses flying across the mountains. Wow! And then they're being brought into place and they turn into these huge big swinging pendulums that these these guys who if you were to stand next to them are big and now are rendered really puny in the backwash of this extraordinary helicopter. And we shoot it with an 800 millimeter lens in slow motion and you're going, I don't think I've ever shot anything so beautiful, so contradictory, so needing no words whatsoever, because you've got everything. You've got the elegance of engineering, mm-hmm. you've got the beauty of the landscape, you've got the dexterity of the land linemen, and you've got this really raw clear-cut. Nobody needs to make a comment. The image says it, and um, when we showed the um, footage to the guys afterwards, before turning on the The computer, one of them, was very skeptical, as are many people in the industry, and he voiced what many people think. He said, you're not going to set us up, are you? And I said, just take a look at the footage and see what you think. And so we had a little um, uh, tailgate screening on the back of our truck. A pun. (laughs) And they looked at it, and this guy, moments later, said, oh my God, I've never seen my work portrayed this way before. And I thought... Bingo. That's where we want the language of the film to be. Mm. It's complex. It's not uh, a puff piece about anything, and it it's beautiful, and it causes people to think. And I think that's what art can do in these really controversial times when everybody's kind of yelling at each other at the top of their lungs. There's yeah. a lot of dogma, a lot of rhetoric. Not a lot of listening. And I think that is dangerous.
1: Wow, yeah. Everyone's always trying to find a good guy, a bad guy to any story. Like, look at Hollywood. There's always that sort of polarity to any sort of good storytelling, and at the end we all want the good guy to win, but yeah, and that—that that is something that you were really able to convey in this film, is there is no good guy, there is no bad guy, just watch and see. And so, there's this filmmaker who,
2: in every aspect of my work, is using metal that comes out of the ground. Yeah. So I'm a walking contradiction. I want those valleys to stay pristine. I totally get it. When <clears throat> the um, First Nations elders, they have traditional hunting territories, they... They're invested in a landscape in many other ways other than mining. Completely understand that. Yeah. Within that, what are we going to do? <laughs> because we have a big communal project here, and the mining industry has to be a part of the discussion, which is why I so applaud Harvey Tremblay in letting us Film, his crew.
1: Yeah, that brings me to my next question because I'm curious about you said that this this idea kind of almost took hold I guess as you started filming and you started noticing that the purpose of the film just kind of presented to you. It
2: started to tell me what it, started it wanted telling, to say. Right, right? Which is so which again <laughs> and is, is
1: so cool. Yeah. Um, and and then high tech drilling, big shout out for them because they obviously were really big helpers in making this huge, yeah, become. Did you have difficulties talking to the mining industry, talking with the First Nations groups, with the At different local point, communities? At one point, I had no access to anybody. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At one point,
2: um, when the Tall Ten were blockading Imperial Metals, Imperial Metals wouldn't give me any access, and um, the woman running the blockade said that unless I allowed my truck to be a part of the blockade, I would lose access to her part of the story. And I tried to explain to her, perhaps my camera is more valuable to you in the long run than my truck over two nights on the blockade. And uh, she didn't go for it, so I lost access. So there I am, not able to get into either quote side. And in a funny kind of way, in retrospect, Hmm. it was a blessing. Because that's the classic standoff. How many times on the news have we seen First Nations blockading a mining operation or a forestry operation? It's become, in BC routine, familiar. I don't mean to say that the issues aren't high stakes and aren't important. But what it did was, when that happened, although we have uh, a few scenes of the blockade in Conalina, but it forced me to go... Okay, you said you were coming up here to do a different new movie. You said that you were, you're out to find the poetry. Go for it. You know, it's not, a, you're not making news. It forced me to kind of peel back the layers, and so um, I found Harvey, and Harvey, you know, headed up high-tech drilling and had a drill crew and was willing to allow us to follow his follow his film crew I found um, uh, uh, Kelly who's the First Nations uh, diamond driller who's really proud of his job and whose grandfather is protesting oh, yeah. against the um, the the mining so this is it, it it was really interesting how it forced us to focus more on the Northwest transmission line couldn't get into the into the mining right there, right smack dab in the middle of where we were filming. But so was the Northwest Transmission Line. Paid off big time. And in that particular case, Rockstead Power said, yes, film us. We're proud of what we do. And poof, they should be. Amazing.
1: Great. So what kind of changes have you noticed? I know that this film has come out in Vancouver Film Festival. It was showed in Toronto Hot Docs Festival, too, where it got the best Canadian feature documentary. You won an award for um, Women in Film and Television Artistic Merit at the VFF. And since this movie has come out, what kind of feedback have you gotten from those initial people that may have been... Against the film in the first place, has there been any change? What's the general sentiment? Well, they're that you're all coming to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um,
2: you know, it was interesting. Uh, I I think uh, the the people who appear in the film have come to have come to see it, um, and have given it a thumbs up, which is great. Um, we've made sure that everybody knows that the film is playing. This is really interesting for me. I think that. Um, the kind of boots-on-the-ground people in the industry, the geologists, the prospectors, the line cutters, the, the men and women who are actually out in the bush, they love it. And I know that because they're coming up to me afterwards in the cinema. I know, for instance, that Mike Shannon is having a screening of *Conalina Our Land Beautiful up in the Bruce Jack camp itself. Cool. We're getting requests wow, right. from other mining crews to get it up. Wow. into the into the camps. So that's very interesting for me. I know that the Northern Miner, for instance, got a letter to, to the editor from a GEO when we showed in Toronto, who basically said, go see this movie. Go see it. Right?
1: So I know that.
2: <laughs> I also know that people who are in more nervous-making positions, people who are actually running mines, people who are dealing with that extraordinary dance with investors and all that added complexity. I also know they're coming to see the film and they're not doing it in an extremely public way. I don't care. I just want them to come and see the film, buy their bag of popcorn and have an experience. It's such an experience. It's really, really important that people know that they can come to the movie. They're not going to be pilloried. They're not going to be targeted either on the screen or in the discussions afterwards. But more... Um, I want to see if, um, you know, they either feel moved to join in the conversation, either in the theater, in the car, or afterwards in their own head, uh, because it's, um, it's really important. This is what Harvey says. It's really important for the mining industry to step up to the mic, step into the community conversation. Right. Um, as he says, you know, we haven't got anything to hide, so let's let's have that conversation. And in in any way that I can, I'm hoping that Colleen will encourage that.
1: Right, and I guess too, it would go for the other side as well, because when people are arguing, it's difficult to have a conversation about anything. What kind you mentioned before um, on on the environmental side, the left wing side per se. You, what, what kind of feedback have you been hearing from? Them? Well, it's
2: been really interesting on the other side of the uh, spectrum. Um, I think, by and large, most of my audience members, no matter which side of the, the many sides of the fence they are on, the most common comment has been, thanks for not telling me what to think. Cool. And the other one is, my God, it's so beautiful. However, the film does have its detractors. And interestingly enough, it's coming from the kind of radical left who feel like I should have, you know, given the gears to the mining community and um, to the mining industry. So that's a very interesting place for me to be in. And what I say to them is, bring it up in discussion afterwards, not so much your critique of the mining industry, but your critique of me as a filmmaker because I think what we're entering into is I'm challenging you and everybody else into a different kind of discussion. If you come into um, if we, as a community, come into this debate um, with uh, parking our assumptions and really, in this particular case, spending 96 minutes with people who you normally wouldn't sit down at the table with, yeah, then you might see something that surprises you and that will allow you into another conversation. And on top of all of that, I just really believe that all of us are in the middle of a really shared project. We're in the middle of a big paradigm shift as a larger community as to how we're going to create a sustainable world. You can't leave the mining industry out of the discussion. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. So, um, And what are you going to do with the contradiction that we're all feeding the mining industry with everything that we use in our daily lives? Yeah. What are we going to do about that? I think it's going to mean ramping down dependency. I think it's going to mean more targeted mining. I think it's going to mean more rigorous environmental controls of where you do mine, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that has to be done as a community. That's not, a, that's not just the mining industry on one side or just environmentalists screening on the other. This is, this is a really complex, and I think if you've got the right handset, mindset, a really exciting conversation where there's light at the end of the tunnel yeah, instead of doom and gloom and dogma coming from both sides. And that's why I think Harvey Tremblay is a real hero in this because he's really calling out to people to enter the discussion.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's exactly what your film did for me, was to demonstrate just how powerful, it what, what powerful of a conversation you can have without words to create a space. Yeah. Right? And so this is, and that's kind of what it did for me, um, and especially how I look at the industry now, is it's like to create a space of indifference, of non-stereotyping, no judgment, and to create um, a place where people can come and actually have a discussion and and look at it in a brighter view, or just
2: experience it as you say. Like yeah. it's really interesting what art can do. Cool. And you know it's really funny when you say to a mining executive or a militant protester on a blockade, "Oh, don't worry, I'm just making art." It doesn't go over very well.
1: <laughs> <You>
2: <laughs> but think that's... about this: right. if if I'm able to create a visceral experience, it's like it enters into your consciousness through your skin or something rather than somebody yakking at you yeah and that's what art can do it can it can you can come away puzzled like mulling stuff over here's my favorite review a woman came out to me dyed in the wool environmentalist she said i can't stand that transmission line and everything it represents it's the it's the edge of an evil wedge that's going to destroy a pristine wilderness, and I'm really uncomfortable with the fact that I love that scene in your movie. It is so beautiful watching wow. those transmission lines go cool. in. I had no idea. That's for me, like watching it with the the footage with the lineman yeah. who went, "Oh, I've never seen my work portrayed this way before." That's where the movie rests. That's where it needs to be. And as a filmmaker, I don't need to tell people what they should or shouldn't think about development. Nobody gives a hoot what (laughs) Nettie Wilde thinks about that. But I can bring something else, I think. And that's what Conalina strives to do.
1: Do you feel that your past experience, you know, your father was a doctor who's an avid Guy who's interested in the stock market, my granddad. or you're sorry, granddad. Yeah, my granddad. Do you feel like that interesting history that you had kind of almost set you up to create yeah. the
2: stage? I inherited a real love of the bush and a mine from my grandfather and my mother. Both of them would take off for two to three months at a time, often together. Uh, with guide outfitters out in the bush and the only thing that my grandfather loved more than fishing was something the chase of something that glittered
1: in the rocks, <laughs>
2: right? and he was a doctor So he's not a you know a knowledgeable geologist or prospector But he ended up with controlling chairs of a mine that was a passion for him and yes, I think both those things Completely made me open to when I was up in the Northwest, and you'd see these geos coming off the mountain, or line cutters, really crappy weather, and you say, how was your day? And they'd look at you, and they were completely beaten up by the elements. Oh, yes. They looked like, you know, they'd been (laughs) dragged through a mountain, which they had, and they loved it. Loved it. Right, And they yeah. went, it was incredible, <laughs> it was incredible out there. They'd been um, dropped off by some chopper into paradise, Yeah, that was gnarly, <laughs> and they, that's why they were there. So when you look into that young person's eyes and you see that look, you cannot say, oh, don't they know that they're actually destroying the environment? right? That's the, that's the line of the left. You know, don't those people know that they're actually the beginning of the end? And you look in that young, educated geologist's eyes, and you have to go, yeah, these people do know what they're doing, and they also have a real lover of the land. So let them into the conversation. Don't
1: close them out. Yeah, it's an extraordinary world we live in where we can be passionate about so many different things. I want to thank you yeah. so much, Nettie, for coming in today. Come um, see the movie. <laughs> I know. I'm going to come see the movie on Friday and everyone the else big screen. Yeah. who's listening. Come see it on the big screen. I can only imagine how breathtaking it will be. It's Again, shot in 4K in
2: okay. widescreen with 5.1 surround sound. It is Whoa. a real, you know, two-bag-of-popcorn movie. And, right. Um, yeah, <laughs> so come. And it's PG, too, so uh, you can bring your kids.
1: Great, excellent. Well, yeah, this is coming up this Friday, um, October twenty eighth through to November tenth at the Van City Theater mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Some additional showings in the Rio Theater as well. So mm-hmm. I guess go on your website, um, Canada Wild Productions. You can go. Um, uh, first of all, go to the Van City website okay. or go to the Rio for
2: the Vancouver dates. Um, but uh, we're all we're opening in theaters right across the country. Great. So if you go to Conalina um, or CanadaWildProductions.com and look for Conalina, you'll see all the dates. So we're opening in Sudbury really soon, we're opening in Smithers, these are big mining communities. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to add is we have co-presenters in each one of those communities okay. that represent the scope of our audience. So for instance in Vancouver we're being co-presented by the Northern Miner. Yes and the David Suzuki Foundation. That's right. So this is really important. Cool, right? And in Smithers, it's the Smithers Exploration Group and Friends of Wild Salmon. So this is the point, folks. This is what (gasps) we want, is for people to go, yeah, this movie actually could be for me, as opposed to being spooked and thinking that you're just going to get raked over the cruel. So come.
1: Yes, and please send your feedback to Nettie or Northern Miner. We want to hear what you guys think. Send it to the Miner. Send it to the Miner. We'll put it out. Yeah, Yeah, very interested. All right, thanks again for coming. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening in. Thanks.